Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, Alex Wolf here, and I'm going to be joined today by one half of the Locked On Bulls podcast, Pat the Designer, who you might know on Twitter as at Pat the Designer. And we're talking about what else? The Knicks' second game against the Bulls in three days tonight. We'll also talk about common misconceptions about the team, or I guess things that we're curious about between the two squads that we get to ask each other and the long-term outlooks of both teams and how they're sort of similar, but also kind of different. That's coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. I appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at strict.land. And as I said, I am joined by Pat, the designer of the Locked on Bulls podcast. And we had a really great discussion today. No point in holding it up any further, so I'll throw us right into it. Getting into it now with Pat. All right, it is crossover time. Locked on Knicks and Locked on Bulls. I am Alex Wolf of Locked on Knicks. He is Pat, the designer of Locked on Bulls. And this is a, a nice little, I don't know, it's almost like its own little halftime here, Pat. Like we're in yeah. between this uh, sandwiched in the middle of these two Knicks-Bulls games. The Knicks took round one. Tonight we'll see who takes round two. I'll try my best not to uh, gloat too much, but I do just want to real quick check and make sure that Alex Caruso is okay um, because I, uh, he died a little bit on the court <laughs> at the hands of Jalen Brunson. You want to know? He looked, he looked all right after the game, but like I'm not a hundred percent sure. I just want to make sure, like physically and mentally, that he's doing okay right now. The toughest part about it was I was fully prepared to clip up him crossing over McBride, but Brunson or Caruso, I was like, it's just so much better. I mean, it's just so much of a better get, and so that was that was a tough one. Uh, he went to the bench right after that. Uh, sat down. Doctors say his pride is crushed, but he'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> The, the the top medical evaluators have, have yeah. diagnosed him yeah. for the <laughs> with a bruised ego. Jeff Tanaka's back. <laughs> he's, got, <laughs> he's, he's got a uh, a contused ego. Would be okay. the the uh, the medical term. <laughs> I, I'd I'd be a little worried for you guys coming into this game because that was that's so on. Uh, what was that? That was five on ESPN. You know he's gonna be like now. I've got to kill Brunson. <laughs> Yeah. Now, now I have to get my revenge. <laughs> I, I will say it's good luck to him. Like Brunson does a pretty darn good job of of just kind of doing whatever he wants, no matter who the defender is this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, which you know what that brings us right into 
trying to like preview this game. So like, I, you know, this comes back to, to MSG now. And I think that in theory should give the Knicks an advantage with they've notoriously the last few years been kind of a mediocre home team. Uh, so I, I can't say for certain that that gives them any sort of advantage, but I will just say like, I really like how the Knicks are playing right now. Uh, and I think the whole fan base does Tibbs tightened up his rotation. They're playing more of their young guys. They're playing great defense. They're playing ball moving, smart offense. I'm kind of just curious, like how are you feeling just on sort of a meta level about the bulls right now? Like, and how they're playing and, and what's like your confidence level going into the second game of the bulls ability to kind of jump back and, and take the second game off the Knicks. I, I think the thing is for me with the Bulls, and I think actually, dog, I think they're in Chicago still. I don't think they went back home. They're, they're still oh. here. They're still in the oh. shy. So, uh, My bad. Dude, I mean, which is weird. Who's doing the scheduling here? Like, yeah, who's... I just assumed it was a home and home. <laughs> I've, no, they, I've never is, in my life heard of that. Wow, that's I, it okay. Is, it is uh, two on two in Chicago. And the one thing I will say is, right, like I thought the Bulls and the Knicks both matched up uh, really well. I thought there were some things that uh, definitely went in you guys' favor. But I thought the one thing that stood out to me was the Knicks gave the Bulls way too many opportunities to just fight their way back in that. And really the Bulls' own inability um, to shoot themselves or to not shoot themselves in the foot continuously really ate them up, right? Like the one thing I'll say uh, that you you guys over on Locked on Knicks probably don't pay attention to is that we've had basically one game this year where we didn't suck in the second quarter. It was versus the Dallas Mavericks, so take that, Nick. Um, but outside of that, right, like, you, you guys saw it, right? The Bulls just couldn't score in the second quarter when you guys were able to go um, essentially ballistic on us and, and really build that lead. And uh, the, the hard part is just the consistency of the Bulls being inconsistent in games um, that always shows its head again, right? Like, I don't expect – the one thing I expect to see is the Bulls fight their way back in the second quarter very much like they did. Um, Julius Randle to give us an opportunity with an interesting right-side fadeaway jump shot over Patrick Williams, which is an opportunity for us to fight our way back in that game. And then um, there to be a, a a deficit at the at the end of that game where we're just looking at it, it's like, you're not going to close this one out either. Uh, the Bulls are 2-18. and 18. Or two and sixteen, I should say, in eighteen games this season, uh, in games close, under five point five points or less. So I think the tough part here is that we compete very evenly. Are the Bulls going to be able to close this one out? That's the biggest question on the table now. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, wasn't that sort of like? Am I crazy, or is that sort of a hallmark of what they did last year? Like, wasn't DeRozan kind of like Mister Clutch last year? Like, close it and and Levine and everything. Like, what's kind of been the story there? I mean, you think about it, right, and it's it's just been them actually trying to play together, right? Like when DeRozan was being the, the Mr. Clutch and stuff like that, Zach really wasn't on the floor as much, right? He was on the floor, I think, for the Wizards and the um, the Indiana uh, uh, game winners. But in both of those instances, right, he was fresh coming back off of injury. He wasn't uh, as impactful in the game. Right now you're in a situation where they're both trying to coexist at the same time. Um, and it's just a matter of, is it going to work? How are you going to figure out if that's going to work? It's a lot harder to do, uh, when you're, when you're down to just Io DeSumo and, and Goran Dragic, um, because I'm sorry, not, uh, when you're down to, uh, Alex Caruso and Goran Dragic, uh, due to Io's injury, he's probably still not going to play for that game, went down with a pelvic injury. So 
it, it's just a matter of like, right. Like you added back in such a dynamic player. I think that now while they can play together, there's kind of that clash that's existing. Yeah. As, as a Knicks fan, I wouldn't know anything about that with <laughs> Julius Randle and RJ Barrett previously. Now Brunson added to the mix. Uh, yeah. It's, there, there was definitely some growing pains for the Knicks, I think, earlier this year, too. I, I will say Randall has done a fairly good job of deferring the sort of alpha responsibilities this year. And, and he did that pretty early on. But there was definitely sort of this awkward dance of, like, who takes what shot. Like, yeah. honestly, I was very surprised. There was a moment where I really thought that this game was going to swing the Bulls away. And that was when the Knicks closed regulation the way that they did with Randall uh, taking what, like somehow like 26 seconds off of a 24 second (laughs) shot clock before, you know, shooting the final shot. And it just was so ugly and just emblematic of like the worst of what the Knicks have to offer in those situations when, I mean, they've drawn up some pretty darn good plays in recent years after timeouts and, and to close games dating back to even, like, R.J. Barrett's, like, game winner last yeah. year, uh, shots like that. Like, they, it was. It didn't seem like things were going to go well for them. And, and, you know, that's one of those things where Brunson has had some opportunities to hit clutch shots this year, too, and it's been a mixed bag of if he makes them or not. I did find it a little weird that they didn't they didn't go to him in the clutch against the Bulls there, particularly when, when he was playing quite well. And then, of course, do, he won. Do you, do you feel like this is how it looked to me right and it was very mm-hmm. strange it felt like that was the first play where julius randall was like no i'm gonna show patrick williams that i can make a shot over him because it looked like grimes was coming up to set the screen and he waved him off so yeah. i was like watching the play and i was like did he just wave off a play that Thibs sent in like is, is that what it was? is that what we just saw there it's entirely possible that that's what happened too uh you know i I go back and forth between whether it was like, did Tibbs tell Julius you call it how you want to? Did Tibbs draw it up as a Julius ISO? And like other players were just kind of like, okay, let's try to help him create a little bit of space here with this ISO, yeah. you know, whatever. Or let me do like, you know, like a a four two pick and roll with Grimes, you know, so then there could be like at least a a kick out option for like a you know a pick and pop sort of thing. I I don't know like what the overall plan was there (laughs) and that's just sort of part of the julius randall experience like lately it's been mostly good but there are some nights where you know he just kind of makes you shake your head and there are other nights where and this has been the overwhelming majority lately where you watch him play and you go you know what you've kind of earned the right to do whatever you want here at the end because you've just been killing it this whole game and uh, you know, that, that first game against the Bulls sort of was it. I just wish that he would have gone about it in a better way. I don't think he fully understands yet that, like, the best version of himself isn't there. Is necessarily a guy that isos and stuff. It's a lot of times a guy that just accepts a good pass and shoots a good spot-up jumper or something. Um, he was cooking. He was cooking. I, I couldn't even be mad at him. I was like, the Bulls are playing him well. Oh, well, never mind. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I felt good yeah. in the second quarter. I felt good in the second quarter. Yeah, and I mean, Patrick Williams had some moments against him for sure. Like, I thought that he he played a fairly good game against Julius, like about as good as you can expect right now. But yeah, he's, I mean, he's not, he was just cooking last night. I mean, he's, he's just cooking in general. He's, he's crazy. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I it, it's going to be intriguing to see how these these two teams match up this second time though because I just think I I think that first game showed that they're a pretty good match for one another this year. Yeah. Uh you know, I think they have a similar talent level at the particular moment where it's like both of them could potentially top out as like a mid uh you know, east uh playoff seed, you know, like 4, 5, 6 range yeah. or could be struggling for a playing spot just depending on how some of the breaks go this year. Uh, but maybe we could talk a little bit more about that in just a second when we get back in and ask each other about one thing that we're unsure about that we want some clarification on from uh, the other's team. So we'll do that in just a second. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Uh, last few sound pretty bad. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives especially this time of year. Please, please be careful folks. And you know, if you're out at the family gathering, do not get behind the wheel if you've had a few drinks. So if you think it's okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever drive sober or get pulled over. And I also got to remind you guys, today's show is brought to you by prize picks and I love prize picks. I've been talking about them for a while on here. And it's cool because, let's say tonight, if you wanted to take Julius Randle to score over 20 and a half points and Jalen Brunson to snap Alex Caruso's ankles in half at least one and a half more times again. I'm just kidding. That's maybe not one. But you could pick something along those lines, more traditionally uh, rooted in points, assists, rebounds, steals things of that nature and you can do all of that using prize picks which is my new favorite way of playing daily fantasy sports instead of competing against a whole bunch of other people who often have you know advantages such as uh, you know spreadsheets and guides and things of that nature that they have assisting them and a ton of money to place like a million different entries to try to oust you in your one lowly entry Prize picks is different. It's just you against the computer, aka against the numbers that they put up. And you pick two to six players. And if they go and score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing with other people. It's just you versus projections. They offer projections on any sport that you watch. That includes the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. And they offer safe and fast withdrawals. They're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 
$100. And I'm about to be back in with Pat. But first, thanks for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. But for your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back in Nick's Bulls crossover. And Pat, you you brought this up to me before uh, we start recording. I, I thought this was a great idea. So I'm going to throw it to you to do the first one. But you had this idea of uh, uh, if we could ask each other about one thing that we're not sure if it's sustainable or not yeah. with the other team and, you know, get the opinion of, of you know, each other. So I'll throw it to you. What are, what are you curious about as far as the Knicks are concerned right now? Even so if it's just me, something that happened in the last game. So, well, so for me, right, like the, the one thing that I've seen this season is that Jalen Brunson is as advertised. Shout out to Jalen Brunson. I got I got to watch Jalen Brunson kind of as he was growing up and stuff like that because he played in Lake County and I grew up in Lake County. So I get to see him kind of at the parks and stuff like that, see him playing in high school. But uh, he's he's still hitting the same shots, by the way, just in case you were <laughs> like they, they worked at the park. They, they work there as well. Um, but on the flip side of that, right, like. I know what Julius Randle is. We know kind of what you guys role players are becoming, right? Like quickly has been in there, but RJ Barrett, big money guy, very interesting guy shoots the three ball with the confidence of Stephen Curry, <laughs> but knocks it down at a 30% clip. And that's an upgrade because he went four for seven in that last game, right? Do you feel like, that's kind of the key to unlocking R.J. Barrett because, to me, I think if R.J. Barrett adds just a little bit more offense to the game, not to say he can't get anything at the bucket or at the mid-range, right? He's 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 turned himself into a way better player than coming out of college I thought he would be. But do you feel like kind of like R.J. Barrett getting more consistent from that three ball is the thing that unlocks the Knicks for consistency winning this game, winning winning games moving forward, I should say? I think for me coming into the season, I would not have said that the three-point shooting was that swing skill. Um, I would have said it was his finishing around the rim. Mm -hmm. And that said, I think he's actually gotten quite a bit better at that this year. Uh, it, well, I don't just think so. Like there are numbers to support it. He's shooting sixty-three. <laughs> he's shooting sixty-three percent at the rim this year yeah. on one hundred forty-two attempts so far which is a huge uptick for him. Uh, I'm not entirely sure where that ranks percentile-wise. I didn't pull the clean the glass numbers. I could probably look them up as I continue talking here. But, like, it, you know, going into the season, that was sort of the thing that Gavin and I both had said, like, he's got to work on finishing on the inside. Yeah. Um, because it, he has always shown this weird, like, I don't know if you call it shifty, ability like he he just sort of has the ability despite not playing a particularly fast or like mega athletic brand of basketball he yeah. just always has this innate ability to get his way to the rim uh and last year we saw that paying off and he was one of the like top four or five free throw drawers in the entire nba post all-star break last year um and we thought that okay that's great but it would be better if you could start finishing some of the ones where you don't get a foul call or whatever too, yeah. or the ones where you just don't get fouled at all. And he just wasn't doing it. Uh, so that was like a huge uh, like plus thing that we needed 
him to do this year. And thus far, he is uh, doing that. That said, now, yeah, the, the three-point shooting is becoming sort of a concern again. Um, shooting 30% is very... I would say uncharacteristic. I think that he has been uncharacteristically bad from three this year. And you have to sort of like average out everything, right? Like he, you know, he shot so well during the 20 to 21 season, uh, but so many guys did. And it's hard to sort of view that as any sort of indicator of anything, uh, because I I think we've seen that it, it was very fluky for a lot of guys. But even with that considered, like, his rookie year, he shot 32% on three and a half attempts per game. Last year, he shot 34% on actually more attempts than he's taking so far this year. He's, he took 5.8 per game last year and shot 34%. You know, if he's shown us one thing as Knicks fans, it's that he is a notorious slow starter. Mm-hmm. Um, he, We were hoping that that would maybe be behind him this year, but it came back arguably worse than ever. Uh, his his early season slump, which is concerning, considering you know, like you like you noted, he is going into his his rookie extension starting next year. So, and you know, I he got paid pretty well, not super like not so much that it's like a huge worry, but enough where you're like, yeah, like basically being invisible for the first month and a half isn't really acceptable anymore. He, he got he got paid more than I was expecting to see next to RJ Barrett's name. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got paid. I would say probably about what we were expecting. Yeah, give or take. You know, I mean, I thought it was when the deal came out. I was like, I think that's pretty fair, like thirty million. But he is going to be the highest paid player on the team starting next year, barring any sort of trade or or um you know, new acquisition. Like if they roll with Brunson Barrett and, or sorry, Brunson Barrett and Randall Barrett's going to be the highest paid player out of those three going into next year. Uh, so he does really have to start producing more. So yeah, I, I would not be surprised if that three point shooting number comes around to more like 34, 35% by the end of the year, which I know is actually a pretty huge jump considering we're what a third of the way almost through the season here. Yeah. But, but he, almost always finishes the season strong. Um, and I, I I think that's going to come to pass again. I mean, until proven otherwise, that's how he's done it. His rookie year, his sophomore year, and his junior year. Yeah. So uh, it it's, about, it's, it's better if you finish, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take it from a team that started off hot, finished very cold. You know, it's better. It's better to have it at the end of the year. <laughs> certainly. And, and certainly when the, you know, when the, the Knicks are, playing better i think than we expect right now and they're managing to get those sort of results with rj shooting 30 percent from three if he starts shooting more like his career average or or you know something like that or even higher down the stretch of the season then i think they're in really really good shape um i'm trying to i, I was trying to think of like what my thing that i'm unsure of with the bulls was for you and i don't like is it weird to say that I feel like they're just a pretty figured out team? Like, I don't know. It had, Not at all. I, I at well, all. so that's our biggest concern. I I say this, I say this in, in terms of like they're not figured out in the sense that things are working, but I feel like things are working similar to last year, right? Like, am I off base with that? Or is there is there some new wrinkle this year that has led to I mean, you alluded to like they started off 
they were like the number one seed in the Eastern Conference for like the whole first half of last year yeah. or so. This year, starting off, you know, five games under 500 through uh, 27 games now. Uh, so what's sort of changed so far this year or or just really what has it been? Is it just that juggling act between Levine and DeRozan? Or do you think that there's something to the the defense like centered around uh, Vucevic? Or like what's your read on the overall situation of like how this team with three all-stars is, is where they're at at about a third of the season? So the Bulls are weird, right? Because they're like a they're they're a team of two halves. Like legitimately, you saw it the other night, right? First quarter, competitive quarter, kind of got off to a slow start, but fight their way back into it. Second quarter, dead. Third in the third and fourth quarters this season, the Bulls are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, uh, which is a good time to be one of the best defensive teams in the league, right? And I think you 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 guys. Uh, we, we started to get it, get it going against Randall, started to get it going a little bit more against Brunson, forcing those turnovers in the third and fourth quarters. But sometimes, right, you just put yourself in a hole that it makes it really hard to climb out of. And by the time you get to the end of the game, you're a little bit tired. Um, and I think that's been the thing that's been the most consistent that stood out this year. And the fact that, right, like when you have those three all-stars, it's kind, it's almost like, right, like what the Knicks did, where when you have those three all-stars, you know that they're going to get the lion's share of the shots except there was this expectation that these young guys were going to take this step. And it's very hard to say, hey, I want to see Patrick Williams take an offensive step. I want to see Al DeSumo take an offensive step when they're getting six and eight shots a game. You know what I mean? Like, So I think that there's the Bulls are trying to do the – we have all-stars now, but also we're in somewhat of a trying to transition these young guys up period. And you're doing that all – coming off of a season where it didn't end in, in the greatest fashion. So now you're trying to figure it all out on the fly. Um, and I think that's that's very – I said this uh, on Locked On NBA yesterday. I said this on Locked On Bulls. They remind me a lot of the 2011 Warriors where Monte was on that team, Steph was on that team, Clay was on that team, and you really wanted to see what you had in Clay Thompson, and you knew that Stephen Curry and Monte Ellis – weren't going to get you to the point where you were going to get those big wins, right? Like I think they finished that season 36 and 46. And it was just because Steph and Monte played the your ball, my ball, your ball, my ball game all night. And it doesn't, it doesn't work out to you actually winning the game at the, at the end of it. It, it, It's an entertaining brand of basketball, but it's not a brand of basketball that leads to winning. And so the biggest thing for the bulls right now is just getting the offensive scheme, right? Getting your offensive focus, right? And actually having an offensive scheme. And they're, they're, the last four or five games, they've implemented more ball movement. They've implemented more, um, you know, trying to get open looks and not just taking the shots. But in crunch time, right, you saw it was it was it was Demar Derozan for the first two shots. Zach Levine pulled a couple of bad threes. Booch got down low, hit a turnaround floater, and then that was the overtime. You know what I mean? So it's like you know what their focal point is. You know what they're trying to go to. And DeMar closes out the game eight straight, so you want to keep going with the hot hand, but that's not the best thing for the offense at the end of the day. Yeah, I feel you. And you know what? It's I think that's a great segue to take us into our third segment because we're going to talk about these two teams, how we're both feeling about them going forward and maybe get a couple more questions off to one another. But the, the point about wanting to play young players more and thinking that might lead to more wins Certainly rings true with Knicks fans, so we'll talk about that in just a second in our third segment. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds 
and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the world cup they've got it all at betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts you can even find those at betonline as well they're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info such as for this very game that we previewed earlier in the show the knicks are plus two and a half in this game that means that you're betting that the knicks will finish within two and a half points of the bulls if the bulls end up winning or the knicks will if the knicks win you also win your bet i don't know why you wouldn't make that bet the knicks just won the first game i thought that they looked pretty good until sort of letting go of the rope a little bit and letting the bulls back in late and then they kind of grabbed the rope again and pulled it out in overtime they're also the team on the five game win streak i don't know i mean maybe there's some sense to betting against that team because there's a, a decent chance that the streak will end at some point, but I'd probably still bet on them until further notice. So why not go for the Knicks plus two and a half against the Bulls tonight? But you guys can make that decision for yourself when you head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, it's where the game starts. All right, we're back to finish up this this crossover. Locked on Knicks, locked on Bulls. And Pat, you sort of ended the last segment talking about this this weird juggling act that the Bulls are going through. And it's very relatable to Knicks fans, right? Because you talk about, you know, you have the three all-stars. You have have Vooch, you have Damar, and you have Levine. And there's this expectation that they're going to be the guys because Mm -hmm. of course they would be, because honestly this team has invested a lot in them, whether it's money or draft capital, uh, which, you know, money, they certainly gave a good deal to DeRozan gave Levine a big contract. And then with Vooch, you know, traded some pretty solid draft equity for him uh, to bring him in to the bulls. Franz Wagner is pretty nice. Yes. Not not too bad. Not too bad of a player. <laughs> um, so it, I, I thought it was interesting because I feel like in many ways, the Knicks and Bulls, and I was telling you this before we started recording, like I feel like they're always sort of intrinsically linked where like yeah. they always come up in the same sentence together. And I think it still dates back to the 90s rivalry, you know? Like Jordan versus the Knicks, which obviously the Bulls came out well on top of that exchange uh, in the overall of things. But, you know, there was that that really fierce rivalry throughout the 90s. And that sort of just always led to them being linked to one another. I think the Bulls have had way more success since the 90s than the Knicks have, even if neither team has won a championship since, you know, that point. How long was Carmelo good there for? Yeah. Five years? Yeah, but even with Carmelo good, the playoff success was not That's true. consistent. That's true. <laughs> I mean, ours wasn't either, right? Like, we had we had Derek. Well, I guess we did a little bit better. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, <laughs> at least made a conference finals, right? Yeah, I mean, that's uh... more than the Knicks can say. So, at any rate, now I think I find both teams to be at sort of an interesting similarity point, but also difference. And I'm kind of curious what your thought is. Like, I think they've gone about things kind of similar in the sense that they've just been trying to accrue talent. They're not necessarily getting like the A1 guys because there's only so many of them. Yeah. But I think both teams have done a pretty decent job of collecting talent one way or another. And 
they've both, I think, done very well drafting the last few years. Like, I really like Patrick Williams. I think Desumo is good too. Like, they both seem really solid. Uh, the Knicks, you know, of course, have gotten quickly top in Grimes. Deuce McBride is now, you know, playing a role. So we've we've got those guys to sort of like root for and, and look at. And then they have their like all star big money type guys, which now RJ sort of counts as part of that. Uh, you know, we already talked about that with Randall Brunson, and then obviously on the other side, the three guys on the Bulls. I think the biggest difference is the what has been invested in these cores for both teams, where the Knicks have a surplus of like draft assets and stuff going forward, and the Bulls have put themselves at a little bit of a deficit. Yeah. What's like your confidence level in this team going forward? And I guess more importantly, what's your confidence level in their ability to get better and do whatever it is they need to do to take that next step? And could it just be as simple as leaning into some of their younger players more? I think there's a little bit to both sides, right? Because we did trade away the draft capital. So you, in your mind, right, you're like, well, you don't have that capital moving forward, but the one thing that I'll say with the um, with the Bulls is I think that a lot of Bulls fans and, and um, the, missed the part where we just had to become respectable again. I feel like the Knicks can honestly speak to that as well, right? Like there's a point where both of our franchises were just looked at as why would I come there? Like you're not going to sell me on the city. I don't care that you're in Chicago. I don't care that you're in New York. I want to I win, and I don't think that you're a winning franchise. And so you had to become respectable again, right? And I think you guys were a little bit ahead of us, right? What was it, 20 – when did you get Randall? 2018? 2018 season? Summer, summer of 2019. That was uh, – 2019 the, season. The summer that could have been of yeah. – uh, which honestly now I look at it as the summer of the giant missed headache <laughs> with Kyrie and Durant yeah. and all that. <laughs> yeah. So so you come away with Randall, right? You've got RJ Barrett there. Uh, you end up acquiring Brunson. All of a sudden, right? This is or, or just having Randall and Barrett there. I think it made the Knicks more of a respectable franchise and a franchise that you looked at and you were like, well, they're trying to win. They're trying to build a team that is uh, going to put something on the floor. And then once you're respectable again, then you can go also. New York, mm-hmm. you know, and so the Bulls were so far gone with everything, right? Like we were literally the laughing stock of the NBA. No free agents were coming here. I mean, our big acquisition one offseason was Troy Brown Jr. Like that's that's what we were working with there. So like you had to make Chicago respectable again. I think that's what you do when you add in Nikola Vucevic. You make that trade, and all of a sudden, is Zach Levine in a top 10 center in the NBA. Uh, and then all of a sudden, DeMar DeRozan looks at Chicago, and he's like, not half bad. I'd rather go to L.A., but it's not half bad. Now he shows up, right? And so I think now the Bulls are respectable again. I think the next step is really just – I think there is a piece, that you, uh, a part of it that you have to say, yeah, we've got to go to our younger pieces, especially guys like Io, uh, who's playing a very strong role at the point guard position, um, which I think is the biggest change for you guys, right? Having a point guard that isn't just – like Brunson in, in uh, Dallas seemed more like scoring oriented because he was the only offense on the team it really seems like he's more i gotta facilitate this basketball i gotta move the ball around and and get everybody involved and so i think that that adds to everything that your team needs and that's the one thing the bulls are missing right now lonzo ball out reported he could miss the entire season yet again tough signing right there right and then um you know you have p will where he's the biggest question right now and i think like a lot of teams in this league right 
we're seeing a lot of mediocrity in this league because there was a lot of players that were supposed to take a step this year that just haven't yet. And so I think that's kind of where the Bulls are, right? Like AK bet on continuity. And to be honest with you, right, one of those players is Zach Levine from a scoring aspect because everybody else has played better. P. Will's been good. Io's been good. Dragic is as advertised. Drummond is, is as advertised. Um, like all of the pieces on the bench, Javante Green's playing better. The the parts that aren't playing well together right now are Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic. And when you bet on continuity, those are the pieces that you need to play the best. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I could definitely say, you know, you can have a good passing big man. You can have a guy in DeRozan who I think is, you know, an, an above average passer for his position. And, yeah. you know, Levine who like, came into the league as sort of a combo guard and then quickly sort of found himself as a shooting guard. But, you know, at least early on in his career was like, Oh, maybe this guy could be a point guard. And yeah. I don't, I don't think that's the case, but He's you know, you can have all, he doesn't have a good enough handle. Zach will yeah. dribble it off his knee eight times a game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, you can, you can have all this talent, but I, yeah, I gotta say, man, like, I think you nailed it. Like the different, so so in, in 2020 to 21, when the Knicks wound up the four seed, which is still like still blows my mind that they managed yeah. to pull that off that year. They were just going through Randall, but Randall was just playing so out of his mind. Like, I mean, there were some nights where we were like, this guy just played like freaking LeBron James tonight. Like, yeah. this is just unbelievable. And, you know, he had such a good year that you could live without having a point guard that year. But last year really exposed like, Okay, if Randall now suddenly comes back down to earth, he is not the guy that can do this for this team. And they definitely need that point guard finally, which they hadn't had in forever. And getting Brunson has just been I mean, this this fan base had to go through so much, like with <laughs> with point guards or lack thereof, you know, just like I mean, Alexi Shved played minutes for the Knicks at point guard at one point. And, you know, it was a tank season, but I still haven't forgotten about that. Like uh, Frank Nielakita uh, still sticking with you. Is that, uh, that okay for you? <laughs> I actually always loved Frank, but I thought that he started slotting in as more of a combo guard towards the yeah. end, which I think is what he's proved to be in Dallas now where he gets minutes. But, yeah, I mean, uh, he's been a huge difference uh, for the Knicks, you know, as, as far as Brunson. That – you know, ultimately, I don't know so much that that was just like the bright lights in New York so much as um, the family connection with Leon Rose and his dad and everything. But whatever reason it was, the bottom of the Knicks, obviously getting more opportunity has been great for him. I mean, he's one of the biggest reasons why I feel really good about the team going forward. Like he's very much just hitting his prime. He's like yeah. 25 years old, I think, maybe 26 by now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Randall is in his prime, I think, right now. And whether they stick with him long term or not will be a, a TBD kind of thing with, you know, Obi Toppin occasionally looks like he could be a potential, you know, really high, high level starter at Julius's position. But it's really hard to say, like, oh, I don't want Julius Randall to be on the team with how fantastic he's been playing lately. Yeah. Um, RJ, in some ways, you know, seems like he's not progressing enough. And yet, even with him not playing up to expectations this year, he's still averaging 19 points per game, which is not easy to do no. in the NBA. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I really like where the Knicks are going, going yeah. forward. Like, and, and part of it too comes down to like having 
that surplus of draft picks and stuff going forward. I think that they're primed to make another move. I think if I was a Bulls fan, my only like one of my biggest hangups would be like, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, how, yeah, yeah. like what's what's the next step here? Because it seems like like I don't think either of us would sit here and say like, oh, if, if things stay status quo, this team could win a championship in the next three, four years. And, and that's that's been the biggest thing that me and yeah. Hayes have talked about, right? Like, I don't feel like this iteration of the Chicago Bulls can win a championship, right? Like, I, I just – I look at it and I'm like, I would love to see it. I would love for you to prove me wrong. Let's have that Boston Celtics turnaround like last year that every team in the NBA basically is talking about having this year. For any team that was talented last year, it was like, the Boston Celtics did it. It was like, yeah, that was like a historic turnaround. Like, that's not normal. <laughs> they went from one of the worst defenses and offenses to literally the best. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I'll say about the Bulls moving forward is just that you're going to have to you're going to have to make a decision right like it, whether it is moving on from a piece whether it is uh adding to the pieces that you have that you think are your stars right now and DeRozan, Zach and Vooch right adding something else in there maybe another score or something like that i feel like the bulls are in that are very much like that 2011 team like i mentioned earlier where like that team just didn't it it, it didn't feel like they'd made a decision on what kind of team they wanted to be like it was like they kind of played defense but they wanted to score the ball a lot and the rotations were weird on that team. And by the end of it, you were just like, they're fun, but they don't win much. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where the bulls are. And I think the bulls also like coming out of the gate on fire. Like you knew that was going to hurt our chances of, uh, <laughs> of winning over the fan base. If we went through any struggles, I mean, we, we were we 15 and three to start the season or something like that. Like it was, it was, it was crazy. Let me let me close maybe on this while we're talking about team building and stuff, uh, just to take your temperature on this because I'm kind of curious. Like it, Knicks fans definitely go through went through this all summer certainly, with you know all the discussions around Donovan Mitchell and all this other stuff, uh, which I feel pretty good about their decision to have not made yeah, that no, deal at this particular no. moment, even with how well he's playing. Um, let's just say that like a, an opportunity arose where the Bulls could trade. Pat Will and Desumu and whatever draft capital they have left and add a Donovan Mitchell type player where it's like, and let's, let's say like even before like the Donovan Mitchell we're seeing this year that has been playing pretty out of his mind. Like let's just say like what we knew about Donovan Mitchell before this year. Yeah. If they could add a player like that and trade away, like fully leverage things and be like, let's roll with player X and let's say it's a point guard of some sort. I don't know who who that would be. Let's I don't know. Let's say like Lillard or something became available like that. Yeah. If if that deal became available and they say basically all the young players, all the draft picks, you get Damian Lillard and he can roll with Levine, Vooch, and uh, Demar. Do you feel confident enough in that core plus another star that you would be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's ride and see how this goes. Or would you be like? No, I think we should probably not do that. <laughs> I, I don't think – see, here's the thing. I, I believe that Patrick Williams will become the player that AK thinks he will be. I just don't know if he'll be that player on this team because you're not going to get 15 shots with Tamar, Zach, and Vooch on the team. You're just not. Mm -hmm. When he gets more – literally, when he gets more – he's, he's like Rudy Gobert. When he gets more than 10 shots, he averages 15-plus points a game. 
if if a deal like that were on the table, the age of the player would come in so imminent, right? You guys get Brunson, he's 26. Um, the the trade for Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell is what, 20, 25, 24? Mm-hmm. How old is Donovan? Like young, right? Like I think Lillard's age would be the biggest issue for me in that situation over anything else. I think that um, if you're not – I wouldn't be opposed to making a deal for a big name star like that, but the age of the player would have to come into account for me, right? Like it would have to be maybe I, I, of course they'd never do it right. But like if SGA was on the table, because I know what his setup ability, you know what I mean? Like just a player that like, maybe he's on a bad team and this team looks at P will and they're like, yeah, but if we give him those shots, we'll be able to take that next step. Uh, maybe we go talk to the Magic for one of their like thirty-seven point guards, and or forty-two forwards. Like they feel like they have so many players on their team. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, there might be a day when if SGA ever becomes available, the Knicks and Bulls might both have their hat in that ring because yeah, I could take a little SGA action. <laughs> definitely a guy that we have talked about on our show already too. Of like, if he ever becomes available. Yeah. Give it all up. Like, who cares? Just give it a shot because he's so young, too. I, I think I'm fully with you there, too, though. Like, I think that's kind of where we're, we're falling. Uh, even with Mitchell, it was like, it was like, do you really want to give up all these guys and, and gut the roster and then no. bank on Mitchell being able to mesh with, like, Randall and Brunson and, like, make something? And maybe RJ, if you were able to make that happen and hold on to RJ, like, would that be good enough to win a championship or something? And the answer that we came to was like probably not. Like, do, do you so you still feel like you're a couple of pieces away? I think it's it depends on who the next piece is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I I think certain guys. You know, it would have to be like a. Yeah, I don't know. I like. I feel like SGA maybe would be a guy that if he came in, they would have enough time that it wouldn't be like you're on a like a one or two year clock to yeah. make it work. You know, like, I feel like that whole ship seems to have largely sailed in the NBA and like continuity matters so much and letting these guys kind of grow together for like a couple of years before you make a title run. Like almost every team in the NBA that's won championships lately, short of like the Lakers uh, a couple of years back in the bubble. Like it feels like they've had teams that have coalesced over a long period of time and that know each other like a book because that's just the level of execution that you need. Yeah. So like if you pull a trade and it's not for like the perfect guy that you can keep for a long time with a core that can stay together for a while, like it, it I don't necessarily know if it would work. And granted Mitchell, maybe that could have worked. Yeah. And, and they could have built the roster out well enough over a couple of years and kept that core together. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I, some days I wake up and I think they're only a piece away. Other days I wake up and I'm like, I still think there's a decent <laughs> amount of work to be done. But the the league is just so weird right now that like, it's nuts. Who man. knows? The Knicks could freaking it, go on a run this nuts. year and win the championship. You know? no, it's it's <laughs> nuts. Like the Warriors are two and twelve on the road. Yeah. They're twelve and two at home. Like the Bulls can't buy a win in overtime ever, <laughs> and any game under five. The Knicks are on a five game win streak. Uh, LaMelo's back and they're losing to the Pistons. Like the, the NBA is weird, bro. <laughs> yeah. What a weird time to be alive, but what a great time to take in a Knicks Bulls game for the second time in a week today. So, uh, always a good time for that. Always a good time for that. Hopefully, definitely. uh, hopefully it comes out a little bit uh, more in our favor on this one. I'm just saying, 
I disagree. Big loss. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Pat, it's been a pleasure, man. Uh, this is a, this is our first pod we've done together, but this is great. We should definitely do it again sometime soon. Oh yeah, um, we got uh, we got we, we play y'all like who's doing again? Who's doing the schedule? We play y'all like tomorrow or, or today, and then uh, what? Three weeks from now or two weeks from now yeah. or something like that? Like then we don't see you again until uh, March. So see you then. <laughs> Does does seem to work out that way sometimes. The Knicks always, for whatever reason, end up playing the Magic like a ton really early in the season too. I've never understood that. Yeah, I just I don't I don't get it. Yeah, but at any rate, uh, Pat, for those those that are listening on Locked On Knicks, do you want to let everybody know where to where to find you and all that good stuff real quick before hey, we sign follow up? Follow me. Send all your Bing Bongs, all your beef, all your hate <laughs> at Pat the Designer. Uh, I do have a standing beef with Detroit and New York. Just a general one. It's a respectable one. You know, I respect the competition that we've built up. Um, I think the NBA still respects it as well. So follow me on everything at Pat the Designer. You can follow the show. If you really want to hear some Bulls talk, I don't know why you would, but if you want to hear some Bulls talk over here on uh, Locked On Knicks, uh, follow me uh, also over there on Locked On Bulls podcast. The, the they're very entertaining so for the knicks fans check out locked on bulls it's it's a great dynamic you guys put on a really good show Appreciate uh it. for anyone listening from locked on bulls i really tweet too much anymore but you can check me out at the alex wolf if you want to just yell at me uh i thought your twitter on... was fake i'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> yeah yeah or just go in our uh just go in our uh uh youtube comments and yell in there i like reading those more than tweets anymore lately so check us out there at locked on knicks uh, but thanks so much, Pat, and thanks everybody for listening, whichever side you listen to this from. And uh, let's go, Knicks, and podcast. Bulls <laughs> <laughs> <Balls> Nation. <laughs> <laughs> All right.